He filled in for Jason Witten on a Cam- right. on a Campbell Buy soup a Cam- yeah. Buy double on a Campbell soup commercial. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, heck yeah. Well, have him show you because you can see Jay's hands. Looks like a hand Every double. Don's looking at his watch now. I we know. better get started. Okay. You ready? No, I had a call come <laughs> in. I had to cancel it. <clears throat> I'm in. You good? Here we go. We'll start with the music. Sure. Are we gonna do a bit or no? I'm gonna, I'm gonna put, shout out to our listeners in Belgium. We can. Okay. Okay. But we can get yeah, right yeah. to it. Welcome back to Fortitude, folks. J.W. Wilson here with my co-host, Brenton Payne. Um, we are Fortitude, and Fortitude FW, is that still the case, Brenton? I think it is, oh, except we're uh, internationally renowned now, from That's what right. I understand, from the analytics we've gotten. We've been informed that we have 20 listeners in Belgium mm-hmm. and 19 in Germany, so if you guys would hit us up, we can throw you a shout-out, man. We don't know what you're doing over there, yeah. but thank you very much. But we like the wooden shoes. Don't they have those in Belgium? Is I that a Belgian thing? I think they have some beer there, I've heard. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> our, our audio video guy probably knows more about that than, than we do. So, Oh, he seems international. Yes, yes he very is much. very international. He's in the soccer community. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Britton, we have in, in uh, studio today a guy named Don Schisler. Don is the CEO president of a, a organization called Union Gospel Mission. And he's a great human being. I've known him for a while, but what he does, we're about to find out, is extraordinary. So, Don, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. I'm really honored to be here today. Good, good. We hope we do you right today. We'll try not to screw it up too bad. I know where you live, so... Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, Don, back in uh, the year 1993, something happened in you. You decided to volunteer at a place called Union Gospel Mission. Yes, sir. What caused that? Uh, You know, I, I, I had a... I went through a couple of illnesses. Um, I had a major illness. It was a, a joint disease, and it uh, inflicted around my hip and lower back area. And you know, I was a single parent at the time. I, my parents were aging out and lost my father. And in a, actually, I was in a in a room in a bed for two or three months, you know, going through this process, mm-hmm. you know, fi- figuring out what kind of surgery they're going to do. Oh my God, they did a hip replacement. I had five different options and things like that. And, you know, I started reading and literature come to the house and there's a church down the street. A friend of mine was a pastor of Harvest Baptist Church. And so as soon as I got back up on my feet, I just, I've always been a Christian and mm-hmm. it, I just kind of recommitted my life and got in tune with the church there and got very involved and uh, was a part of the care group ministry and probably could have been on staff there. That's kind of where I was launched to be, but got deflected by the Lord's hand on my life. Uh, there's a gentleman there. His name was Don Webb. He was in my Sunday school class. He was the superintendent of the Union Gospel Mission. Okay. Mm. And he was always needing help and crying out. We was praying for him and things like that. And it got to where he would pick me up at my house and I'd go in to work with him and sit in the office while I was convalescing from a surgery. And, you know, I started doing in-kind donation letters and then, you know, it'd lead one thing to another, get to feel a little better. And he put me on another assignment, you know, like get the air conditioners going. I know mm-hmm. nothing about air conditioning, but I got some books and knew some people and uh, had a couple of relationships with people that lived there and we got it done. So, that's how it all evolved. You know, Beautiful. I feel like it's God's hand on my life. Yeah, went so well, Brenton, that in 95, two years later, they made you the, the president and CEO. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea he was going to retire and move to Oregon, but uh, he did, and uh, they wanted me to take his position. And 
I don't know if that was a favor or not. There was a lot, a lot of wrong things. It wasn't real popular back then, you know, yeah. homelessness, and there was no money to operate that organization whatsoever. What, what were the numbers around that time? As far as the money to operate, I think is around three hundred thousand a year. As far then, as numbers of people, yeah. you know, as far as in the organization, it was a couple of hundred. And then what about just homeless numbers? Just up roundabout. You know, I'd say four thousand, probably four thousand, something like citywide. That. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, so before we get into all that you're doing, you're married to a lady named Vicky, who's lovely. You have four blended family kids. I right? do. That's awesome, and you're a grandpa. We know that. Uh, so you got a really cool, cool way you felt you found your way into Union Gospel Mission. Once you're there, you you take charge, and you, this, things are going the way they're supposed to go in this world. Uh, about UGM, why do you do what you do at UGM, and what? Um, why do you do this, Don? Well, there's a. Um a scripture in the Bible, Deuteronomy fifteen eleven, that really touched my heart when I first started there, and it's you know we're supposed to be open handed to our brothers in the land and to our, to the poor and needy, as well. And um, there's a lot of scriptures in the in the Bible which that's what I reflect on. I don't get diverted too much from just that, and you know it just uh, that's where the blessings come from is serving the Lord and not taking our direction taking his direction and uh seeking that out and and actually uh working with people for a change in their life and get them mainstream back in society it's a it's a beautiful thing to be a part of that yes sir it's, did you it have, don't have anything to do with money right did you have a lot of contemplation on that when you were laid up in that hospital bed you kind of oh i had a lot of contemplation about a lot of things mm. because my mother was helping me with my children like mm-hmm. I, say, I was a single parent yeah and so I, I was basically in my house in my bed like 23 hours a day by myself. Mm-hmm. So yeah, sounds like our camera guy. Yeah, our camera guy spends a lot of time in bed too. It's another that's another episode. <laughs> but he's sleeping. That's right. All right, Don. Let's talk about the history of UGM. So um, well before you arrived, 1888 actually, a rescue mission movement found Fort Worth. That's the, the official uh, in Bethel mission was what it's called when, right. it, when it officially began in this town. Can you give us your summation of the history of the UGM? Yeah, Charlie Byron was the uh, director back in those days. An interesting guy. He came in on the train from Scotland, where he started from, come down from New York. And uh, no, it, uh, there was a major movement because of Hell's Half Acre. You know, it was uh, a lot of saloons and bordellos, mm-hmm. prostitution, things like that. And the established churches didn't really want those kind of people coming to their church so they were looking for an alternative and a lot of people assembling too that needed help and uh, it started with that Bethel down at uh, and what's interesting about that is when I was a little kid the Boy Scout office was right down there in Hell's Half Acre mm-hmm. <laughs> and my dad you know he was a district commissioner for the Boy Scouts so okay. we used to go down there pretty frequent and I just thought that was kind of interesting Yeah, but um <laughs> It started out in 1909. There was a, a meeting at uh, Cumberland Presbyterian Church and uh, got more formal. And this one, they really introduced uh, the name Union Gospel Mission. And uh, it was formed from 10 downtown churches, got together and did something collaboratively. What came out of that was no law, but not love, no creed, but Christ. 
and we still kind of use that too i do i think that's real strong and powerful and you know just preaching the gospel of jesus christ you know trying to people lead people to the lord and taking care of the basic needs is where it's starting off meals uh place to stay at night and ultimately you know finding jobs and mm-hmm. placement in the you know some sort of living situation surely we'll we're get, doing the same things today yes, sir. We, we'll, we'll get to the specifics here just in a second sure as we sit today there's a it's a six acre campus a lot of well actually it's grown you know grown. we bought another two and a half acres so we're in at eight and eight and a half we're, now. we're approaching nine acres yes nine sir. acres very good and lots some new developments in, in the not too distant future uh past um, have gotten us where we are now, but basically tell us what UGM does and how they operate. Yeah, we're all about serving uh, the homeless uh, where they're at and, uh, you know, like I say, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have uh, three major programs, you know, one for the men, one for the women, and one for the families. Uh, we have a wide variety of uh, social workers. We've just taken on a new thing. It's a uh, uh, we have a therapy there. We have two therapists. And, um, you know, back, uh, we, we provide the food and services for that community down on Lancaster. And we do all this from the generosity of the community of Fort Worth. You know, mm-hmm. we want to be a place that we can assemble everybody that can serve and work and help us alongside our staff, as well as, you know, the people in need come in at the same time. And it works real well and has for a long time. And and that's that's the need for the nice facilities. You know, people want to come in a nice, clean facility as well as I feel real strong about, you know, we need to give our first fruits and not our discards to who we're trying to help. And, you know, you can see that through our campus that we have. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's nice and uh, safe, clean, and, uh, you know, we try to take care of the people we – counsel with them we set a case management plan we we help them adhere to that any kind of issues that come up you know we uh, address that and uh, it's a work in progress it just all we have to have is their cooperation right we can get there you say it's a safe place and no doubt the Lancaster Street specifically outside the Union Gospel Mission uh, for those who have never driven down there it's 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 something to see for sure because you see people on both sides of the street with tents and all their belongings, literally uh, living there. Um, it's it's very unfortunate. You guys are part of that solution for a lot of those people. Some of those folks, not so much. I mean, can you ex- explain to those who aren't quite familiar with Lancaster why how that situation exists? Yeah, let there? me let me kind of let's step back to COVID. You know, COVID hit for texas and that was something new we really didn't know how to deal with this uh it was quite an interesting time for me personally to go through that as well as my staff i lost a third of my staff just within the first two weeks Mm -hmm. and we were scrambling around trying to see how you know what ins and outs what we're supposed to do with this so you know we got into the mass you know putting up the plexiglass the six foot distancing the hand sanitizing all that we did every bit of that just like they said to do mm-hmm. the city opened up uh downtown uh, convention center and you know siphoned off so we could do the six foot distancing so it lowered the numbers that we had and that's where it started and what i use that time for with my staff is uh vision 
we started looking forward to the future because things were changing real rapidly. Yeah. Especially every time you have a regime change in Washington, D.C., you know, it changes up everything, you know, how the dollars funnel down and what their emphasis is and all that kind of stuff like that. And was it helpful when they relieved you, the city? I mean, was that like, oh, yeah. wow, this oh, is, yeah. why can't we do this yeah, every day? Because well, basically, you know, we did have some COVID there, but mm-hmm. it was very minimal. Yeah. No kind of widespread thing like you saw in Dallas at Dallas Life or anything like that. Yeah. So it's very helpful. And, you know, we got a good crew. I mean, we all work together. Uh, Homeless Coalition, uh, Presbyterian Night of Salvation, we all work together for a common goal. Mm-hmm. But coming out of this is a little bit different. There's a lot more federal dollars in town. Uh, there's a lot of vouchers to get people housing. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have what they call rapid rehousing that the city pays for as well. So it's it's a lot easier to get people just right off the streets immediately into a place. But that doesn't fix their problem. And that's what we're into. Yes, sir. It's yeah. fixing people's problems where they won't lose their housing or because of bad behavior or mental health issues, you know, mm-hmm. uh, revert back to the streets. We explain want to be, that, we want to be the yeah. solution. Explain explain that how you're not just putting someone off the street into a, a a home. You're teaching them. There's way more than that. Right. They come in and they're a part of our program. That program can last six months to a year or even longer. It, it just depends on the individual and what they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of major things that take some time and effort, and we put that in there. We have the resources to do that. Well, we, we collaborate with almost 40 agencies that we can plug into to any problem anybody has. What would you say the biggest reason for a successful uh, person to get out it's of very, very simple. It's a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all it takes. And you'd be surprised. Uh, most of them have had some sort of spiritual relationship in their life. Mm-hmm. A lot of them have had difficulty with churches or individuals in churches. Mm-hmm. So it's, it has driven them away or a misunderstanding of doctrine. That's why we have that uh, Alpha course. You know, it's a basic course to, um, to educate them about uh, living a Christian life mm-hmm. and answering their questions and get them on the right path there. And it works very well. When we first started that with Stanley Manikis, it uh, what I noticed it it promoted community amongst themselves. Um, you know, they can pray with each other. They can they can share. You know, men kind of close mouth about their personal situations. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's too healthy sometimes. So uh, I noted a difference right from the start, and we've been doing it over ten years now, and it's just it's phenomenal. Right, like I say, we had that graduation last night. Uh, we baptized three. Um, one of them was a little baby that was born there, and it's just a, just a beautiful thing. Oh, born there at the mission? Well, lived at the mission. They went to Cooks. Sure, to but deliver. I don't live. <laughs> <don't deliver. laughs> What's the difference between that and fixing air conditioner? I mean, they're just, that's that the a big yeah. stretch. Well, that, <laughs> that probably scared me to death. Yeah, no doubt. So you you're not just taking the person walks in the door at UGM that's in the homeless place in their life you're not you're, you're teaching them skills you're helping them with mental physical emotional right. spiritual all the things that encompass a human being you're trying to benefit them and teach right. them something so they can go out and get a place to live right. and and sustain that not fall back in the homeless trap so why are all these people on lancaster on a daily basis how come everybody isn't inside what's causing those people to what, congregate there what is left is people that are um, 
mentally ill or uh, abusing drugs is what's left out there. And they don't want any kind of uh, restrictions on their life or have to do anything. And that's what I've been working on of late. Uh, I've had some meetings with the COC about that and our neighborhood association, Near East Side Neighborhood Association. We had a, uh, a meeting with the city, the police, uh, homeless coalition, uh, different shelters uh, last week with uh, Bob McCarty in his office, mm-hmm. Cheyenne Construction, and uh, we need a solution for that. You know, we own that property to the west of Kentucky Street, and that seems to be the staging place that they allow mm-hmm. a lot of that camping. My thing is, it's a public health issue. Mm-hmm. You know, they defecation. You know, there's a lot of drugs, um, crime crime you know and and i get to thinking you know how the women being treated in mm-hmm. those tents and what's going on it just drives me insane yes, should sir. not be allowed there's got to be a remedy for that i've i've for years have put a lot of emphasis and and uh vocally spoke up about it you know i don't know how to solve it but i know we need to try something mm-hmm. and what my suggestion's always been let's let's dedicate a plot of land somewhere and if you're going to camp, you got to camp here, and let's have all the services agencies directed to that spot, and you can only stay there a certain amount of time. And then you got to move on, or accept the, the help we're trying to give you. Fair, and I think that's a fair and admirable way to do that. You can, if you have a place like that, you got to have security, lighting, you mm-hmm, got to have mm-hmm. restrooms, you got to have medical. It, you get so pushback on that from folks. Uh, everybody has a different direction. Yeah. Especially yeah. when you, yeah. What's the biggest hurdle for UGM, Don, to, to get this solution or any other solution? Is it is it money? Is it politics? Is it? A little bit of all of that. All that? Mm-hmm. We do have a solution for it, and that's what we've been working on, the vision, you know, through COVID. And we, we have one thing we're starting here after the first year is called Club 1401. Mm-hmm. It's actually going to be a day center on Lancaster and Cypress. We're moving our uh, case managers and therapists out there. And it's going to be a welcoming environment for people on the streets and those campers to come in. And we're going to start trying to build a relationship on them with them of trust or they may be tempted to come in and be a part of our program. We'll feed there three times a day. Mm-hmm. We'll have ministry in there. We're going to try a little bit different on the ministry. It'll be a little bit shorter services, uh, kind of like a, a a Bible study or something. Like yeah. Just, just a, a scripture and kind of explain a little bit in a prayer. And the most of the time on the ministry part will be one-on-one with individuals. Mm-hmm. We welcome a lot of volunteers to come and be a part of this with us. And I've even bought a portable trailer. It's a kitchen. Mm-hmm. We're going to start taking that kitchen and going out and doing this out in these camps or where people are gathering. And we need people to help disciple and go out with us to try to bring them in. That's that's what we're going to try to do. Is this where the vocational training will take place? You'll have volunteers? No, that's a different area. That's that's a, that's a different project. Okay. And that's well, a big project, and that is beautiful. Thing. Well, that's on the screen behind you. Not that you don't need to look, but that's the that's the future plans. What does that entail? That's yeah, the community center, and uh, it's going to have a vocational training spot there. It's uh, 
around 28,000 square feet. We're going to move our warehouse over there. It's on Kentucky and Lancaster. And that's where we bought that two and a half acres. Right. And uh, we're going to try to lower the bar, not lower the bar, but broaden the bar a little bit. And we'll go community wide. Mm -hmm. Anybody needs our help for is our product that we have, you know, clothing, uh, furniture, whatever it takes to set up an apartment. uh, We're going to pass that there to them. And anybody that needs um, a living wage job, we're going to have a vocational training there to uh, help them achieve that. And we've got a lot of collaboration with 10 different agencies right now, Can Academy, just all of them that are around mm-hmm. me right there, Salvation Army, Presbyterian, uh, MHMR is in it. Everybody thinks it's a very good idea. It'll work hand in glove with the program Toby's got over at Presbyterian Night Shelter. Right. And because a lot of these, it's going to be set up like a box store, you know, like Walmart has or Target Mm -hmm. or Amazon. Yeah. And we'll do certifications and training there. And then they can take that and we're working with those those, uh, employment agencies to to get our clients uh, an interview. Yeah. To get a higher wage, paying wage. We're doing the same thing with the Apartment Association. They built thousands of apartments in Fort Worth, Dallas area. They need uh, maintenance. They need managers, and we're going to start training for those. You know, we have this these platforms. You know, teach you how to put a, uh, a disposal in, or and di- mm-hmm. just different mm-hmm. things. You know, and hands-on training, and give them a certification. Right, Apartment Association been doing this for twenty years that I know of. They're going to start doing it there, and then we're just going to learn how to walk before we can run, and just broaden this all we can. Can Academy does the same thing across the street from us. They yep. need more room. They're going to use our facility. They're more than welcome. They train, teach these kids how to do electrician work, how to make eyeglasses. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on. They want to broaden that as well. We're, we're going to do that across the street. So as well. you have proponents that say, just keep going. Like, we'll give you money. Like, just keep doing this. Then you have people out there who are opponents and say, most of the people who are homeless, they don't want to be helped. So if you if we have 100 homeless people, what would you say the percentage want to be helped and those who are like, I'm, I just want to live my life the way I'm living it now? I'd say 20, 20%, 25%. That's their community. That's the way they live. Mm-hmm. And if they change or not, that's up to God. And yeah. Them. Yeah. Yeah, but seventy five percent. Yeah, I think there's a lot of hope there. Yeah, and we want to make sure we touch each and every one of them that want to get out. Mm-hmm. I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine being stuck in homelessness. But yeah. that's the key, though, right? They have to want to. They have to want. If they don't, then they're just going to be there. And, and Christ is the way, right? Let's touch. Let's step back to the, the one behind you, the Healing Shepherd Clinic. Tell us what you can about the Healing Shepherd Clinic. That's a beautiful place and a wonderful collaboration with uh, JPS and uh, Robert Early, a good friend. I hate to see him leave, but I need to meet that new Dr. Duncan, and I'm going to try to do that before he leaves. Yeah. But um, it's a. Uh, a clinic with the model is less than three hundred thousand dollars a year. It takes to operate that. I've got four employees over there. I have a, uh, a front desk guy that takes care of the files and stuff. Billy works the door, and I've got two uh, registered nurses, 
and I have a nurse practitioner there that, that works. They will all work forty hours a week, and then we complement that with uh, volunteer physicians. Mm-hmm. And Doctor Alan Davenport is the uh, medical director there, and anyone that comes into the mission and wants to reside with us, they have to get a physical. Okay. And so they go to the clinic, they get a physical. We got to find out what they're dealing with medically. They may have been a long period of time before they've had any kind of medical mm-hmm. bill per check or whatever, wellness check. And it reveals a lot. That place saves lives all the time. You know, people mm-hmm. have things they have no idea what they have. A lot of hypertension, you know, diabetes, all the major stuff, you know, COPD. Yeah. All those kind of things. Drug addiction, Don? Uh, if people have addictions, they come in, we, we're aware of it, and we, we try to get them in Billy Gregory, Pine Street, which is just right down the street from us. Uh, sometimes there's a little weight on that, but usually we can get them in within a reasonable amount of time. And once they go through that 28-day program, then they're released and come back in and go through our program. Mm-hmm. And in our program, we have a skill building program right now, which is kind of like a work hardening, you know, to get people up, moving, yeah, um, functioning at a higher pace than what they're used to. Mm-hmm. You know, they may help in the kitchen or out in the warehouse, or uh, may do janitorial work around there. And you know, that's that's the first step, and then they start seeking employment and right. you know, launch from there. You know, you talked about the graduation. Can you? Can you take us through maybe like a physical and emotional and spiritual transformation that you've witnessed that stuck out to you? You don't have to use the names or anything, but just a particular you instance. You know, one I'm going to share, and it's, it's, it's Lana that was at uh, River Ranch. Right. You know, we had a fundraiser there last month, and uh, one of the ladies working there came up to me and gave me a big hug, and I recognized her. She used to be in our program, and, you know, she came in broken, alone, and... Um, but, you know, type personality kind of warmed up to all the staff. We all kind of knew her, and I had no idea. I knew she graduated. I didn't know where she went or what was going on, but mm-hmm. she, she actually works at River Ranch and mm. is doing real well. They treat her real well, and uh, it was a, a, a tearful night for us. We were all kind of <laughs> weeping, seeing her out of joy. And uh, So of all the places in this her, town where you could have had yeah. a fundraiser, you picked one where a graduate worked? Yeah, and that's just, mm. that's just one story. You know, if my wife and I, if we go downtown uh, to go out to eat or a movie or something like mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, people will come up to us that have been in our program and, you know, they they share what's going on with their self, and it's it's usually very positive. Yeah. If not, I'd tell them, come back. Let's try it again. See if Absolutely. we can get it better the second mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And uh, But there, there's been many. There's been many. And um, some of the older guys are a little harder, take a little longer, but if they keep working at it, they'll get there. Yeah. How many people, Don, does UGM house and hold, or how many can you serve? Well, it's down right now, and it's because of the camping. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we, right now, I checked that count before I came over here. We we have about 330 people that interact daily at the mission, or either in our program, or come in to eat, and services, and, you know, we've got some rooms. Our our maximum capacity is 463 people. 460. What's your annual budget? Our annual budget there, it's around eight, eight and a half million. Mm-hmm. Just for just for the Union Gospel Mission. Now we have a lot of other facets. You know, we have the vineyards on Lancaster, mm-hmm. which is a 
affordable housing project, which has 104 units. Um, the total budget for everything's uh, with Healing Shepherd Clinic, everything's 19 million. 19 million. Mm-hmm. Of all the three to 400 people EGM sees daily, what's this, what's is there a success rate of that many people? There is, there is. It's uh, it's a little harder to figure out now. We do keep real good statistical information, and the coalition's doing a lot better with that as well. Um, I'd say it's about a third of the people come in that we can really launch and, and get back some sort of way. There's two ways to graduate out of our facility. One is uh, you can go through our program and totally to graduation. Uh-huh. Or you can graduate by circumstance. You know, uh, people get going and start doing well, and then their family might accept them back and yeah. say, I got a house you can stay in, or here's a job. or and then they, We don't count those. We just count the ones that go all the way through. And do okay. It. We don't try to inflate any numbers. Yeah. Uh, we count a family as one. We don't count each individual. And Fair enough. We just try to be real and honest and yep. forthright about everything. Speaking of stats, Don, uh, homelessness in Tarrant County, how bad is the problem? Well, I looked on the Homeless Coalition website, and the last time they updated was uh, the end of September, and they had 3,800 on there. And their 2022 vision is to house uh, 2,200 more people. I don't know where that's going to happen because pretty much all the housing that I know of is maxed out. Sure. And that's our biggest need in Tarrant County is affordable housing. And I've got another project I've been working on for uh, it's going on three or four years now. It's called a Crossroads, and that's why we're moving the warehouse to put it on the west side of our parking lot at EGM. Uh, Sixty-eight more units, and uh, we've missed a uh, tax credit for the last two years by one point. Hmm. And that's pretty disheartening because those applications are brutal. Uh-huh. It takes a lot of time and effort to do those. Yep. Um, we have a consultant that helps me with that, Ellen Rourke, and she's she's the best. But we're uh, we're looking out of the box a little bit, a different way to do that, uh, maybe for some financing. I met a developer in Dallas. Um, I don't know if I ought to mention his name or not, but yeah. anyway, yeah. Uh, we'll kind of see how that develops. Mm-hmm. I think God has a plan, and we just need to listen to His direction instead of mine, and we'll be fine. <laughs> how does how does somebody become homeless, Don? You know, it can happen to any of us. I had that same thing happen to me personally when I had my disease on my joints. Is uh, but I was fortunate. You know, I was a young guy. I was in the pursuit of um, you know that first million dollars. Mm. I was doing pretty well. You know, brick home, big car, all that stuff. And then you get your health yanked out from money, and you don't have anything. And luckily, I saved my money. So I had a, you know, with that and getting my disability, you know, I was able to sustain myself for three years mm-hmm. and didn't didn't miss a lick. But that just don't happen to a lot of people. You know, if they don't have any family or, or friends, it, it don't take long at all, and they're homeless. Mm-hmm. You know, I think everybody lives off of what couple three paychecks probably yeah not just one yeah accurate yep and uh you know it it can have i've seen it happen to you know people have means you know just very quick you know they're they're hurting um when we drive around just anyone who drives around it from time to time you'll encounter somebody on a at a stoplight asking for money um 
what would you say to what would you what would you comment on something like that? Because most people don't know they want to give, they don't want to give, they feel weird, they're scared, something. But what, yeah. give me comments on that you know, situation. We've got a unique community here. They're very compassionate, good people, and I'm thankful to be a part of Fort Worth, Texas. I mean, it's uh, it's amazing to sit in my seat and see what's happening. You know, I, I get to witness God's blessings and miracles, and and the the generosity community all the time and have for many years but i wrote an article one time that was published in the uh, rotary uh, downtown rotary and it was about how to handle yourself and what to do Mm -hmm. if that happens and i i don't think you'd need to do that just point them the way say go to union gospel or presbyterian or say you know use one of the facilities they'll give you an excuse every time but that's where the true help is yeah don't if you give them that money I know when you give money, that you're doing it unto the Lord, and that's the only responsibility you have. But it's not going to be used to what you think it is. It's not for a meal or anything like that. Ultimately, it's going to be used for drugs or alcohol. More than, more I assure than that. you. Mm. That's what so we you guys, do you feel, you know, I think in Tarrant County, we have a good coordination of all of these resources, do we not? I mean, you all we work do. together we do. pretty well. Um, do you all feel from a general standpoint that – you're keeping up with the demand and the problem or is or, or do you are you just constantly going my gosh it's just another uphill day right now it's doing a little bit better about people being housed that have been homeless mm-hmm. i'm i'm a little apprehensive you know i've been around a little longer kind of seeing you know both sides of this thing yeah. for a longer period of time and and my concern right now is this eviction. You know, we've been kind of stalling that out for a while, you know, with all this help from the state and the federal government. And there's a lot of people being evicted now. And, I, you know, I think that'll change the complexion of, you know, who's out there homeless and needing help mm-hmm. in a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. Is the problem, you mentioned 3,800 in Tarrant County, is the problem getting worse? Yes, sir. I, I feel like it's growing. Growing. Um, another thing you reminded me of with your earlier comment, uh, there's people out there doing God's work in your words. We know this. They're bringing food down to the folks on Lancaster. Uh, we've talked about this before, but would you talk about that a little bit and why that's not, maybe not the best option? And I want to frame this right up front that, you know, I, I know those are good people. I know that they're following what the Lord is telling them to do. But the results of it, I don't think they really know because, you know, it's kind of they're in and out, in and out. And... Personally, I think it's enabled people to stay homeless because they can live in tents around in areas of town and they give them tents and they give them sleeping bags, things like that, umbrellas for the rain or, you know, give them an insulated suit if it's real cold. And that's Mm -hmm. all well and good, but the true help is in the facilities. Support the facilities that have been there. You know, we've been in existence for 133 years Mm -hmm. in Gospel Mission. Mm -hmm. That's the longest legacy about homelessness there is in tarrant county support our facilities we got everything in place to interact with them and get whatever they're dealing with flushed out and addressed and get them back out in society whole and that that's my recommendation this the trash issue on mondays after everybody's been down there yeah all through the weekend yeah and it's repetitive one feed after another feed you just can't sit there and eat all day long. It's too much. In each facility, we we do the same thing. It's hard to plan 
and I think a little disrespectful not collaborating. You know, my thing is all about collaborating and mm-hmm. telling everybody up front what I'm doing so they know what they need to do. I don't get that luxury with that. Mm. And that's part of the conversations we had in Bob's office with the Homeless Coalition. And the city's been trying to to address that, but they will not enforce the rules that are already written. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing about camping. You know, there's a mandate from Abbott, the government of Texas, to not let that camping go on. And I think we need to get a grip on it now, or it's going to get a lot worse like I've been to Austin here within the last month. Right. It's just oh, yeah. horrible down there. We don't want that in Tarrant mm-hmm. County. There's no need for that. We've got beds in the facilities right now to put those people right and have a better life. No, we don't we don't allow drugs or alcohol in there, but you know, they need some help with that. I think it's really interesting, Britain, that you know, I've always thought I'll take some food down there. That's going to, but this is a really good point because people do that all the time. Whether they make food for these people and they're doing a good thing, but it's not helping these people get off the street. It's just keeping them there. And that's most people will never even know that. So I'm really glad you made that, made a point of that. Yeah. It's nothing personal about right. the individual. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean all I you got to do, where they're coming from, take it two weeks, go two weeks in a row. I, I mean, I've seen it. Mm-hmm. You'll find the contents of what was in the bag last weekend on the street the next weekend when you bring it. So you bring up a good point there. All right, Don. So we're going to step back in time a little bit, not too far, but two gentlemen whom you know really well, one of them's no longer with us, but Ron Hall is Denver Moore is not. Can you tell us the, the Ron Hall Denver Moore story in, in your summation? Yeah. uh, I remember the day when Ron and Deborah came to my office and she was on fire for the Lord and talking revival on Lancaster and one, wanted to know a way to plug in. And, and, um, I suggest, you know, let's start out serving food and which they did. And I commend them, you know, they, back in those days, it was kind of a seedy place and there. It was, you know, kind of spooky. And even myself, when I first started there, I go, Lord, why am I here? Mm. Now, I've never been around anything like this, but, but, um, it became a labor of love and, and they enjoyed it as well. And I commend them for bringing their family down there and their friends, you know, a lot of West Siders started coming and kind of mainstream and what we did and started supporting the mission and that's when it really started growing and and launching and of course you know the book same kind of different as me and they met denver down there and that was kind of interesting how they met 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 him in the middle of a fight coming out of the chapel but that's kind of the way it used to be i'll tell you a story that's not written about denver is we used to have one payphone in the back dorm, and there's like 125 men that lived back there. Yeah, and uh, we had a rule: you could only use that phone for like three minutes. Mm-hmm. And Denver was on the phone. I'm sure he went long. You know, it's just just Denver. He didn't pay no attention, no time or anything. And this young guy was behind him, got a little antsy, so he took his hand and went beside his face and took that receiver and hung it up. No, Denver spun around and popped him one time, and he went out. Lights went out right then, just <laughs> fell flat back. And then Denver left because, you know, we had a rule. We didn't, we didn't allow any kind of fighting or yeah. like that in the mission. And then I went hunting for him. Uh, took me about three days to find him. Uh, and he just kind of appeared behind a building. And I said, you know, I might have done the same thing if 
I was in your shoes. Why don't you come back in and try it? And we just became lifelong friends after mm-hmm. that. And, you know, he used to hang out at my house as well. And But Denver, he was a very wise gentleman. Mm-hmm. Very wise. And, you know, he had the Denverisms. Mm-hmm. And, we were going to get to that at some yeah. point, yeah. And uh, But just a, a great joy. And I, I, th- I feel like I learned a lot from him about homelessness and mm-hmm. uh, just how people think. And it really grounded me. I right. know that. I'm thankful for that. And like I say, Deborah Hall's funeral, you know, it was an event at McKinney Memorial Bible Church. And everybody came and... That's when Sister Betty and him spoke, and it was pretty profound. And mm-hmm. you know, things started happening, and you know, they wrote that book, and yeah. And Vicky and I, we got to go to the um, the movie, uh, the red carpet in uh, Beverly Hills, and uh, you know, they had an after party, you know, with all the stars. And, my wife was running around that room like a social butterfly mm-hmm. and bringing all the stars to the table and things. We was taking pictures. It was quite a, a joyous event. I, I told her about halfway through that, I said, pinch me. We're not really here, are we? Yeah. But it's it's just a blessing for a day, you know. Mm-hmm. Reality set in when we got back on the plane. <laughs> yeah, I imagine you felt pretty That's far like a, from where that story began to where that you, exactly, it brought you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was, uh, it was fun. And really, we benefited a lot. You know, they donated or a quarter million dollars proceeds oh, from yeah. the book and uh you know i started feeling calls from all over the country mm-hmm. i thought i was ron's agent there for a while i was gonna start charging but it, <laughs> I, no, i'm teasing but but uh, so the movie and the story the book they brought benefit to the mission um well in homelessness in general because ron did speaking engagements all over the country and talking about homelessness and you know, became pretty famous guy doing that yeah but the ultimate goal is you know it it bring homelessness to the forefront and how to address it and i think that engaged a lot of people too mm-hmm. you know reading that book and that might be why we have so many feeders and You're things right. like that i don't know but it's it's a good thing it's right. a good thing. What's well, the story of the most two unlikely got a, a wealthy art dealer, Ron Hall, uh, b- best friend, befriended, befriends a uh, homeless guy, Denver Moore, and they become like best friends living together. Thank you. And I'm familiar. I know. I'm just regurgitating for those who don't know. <laughs> but uh, the book obviously is phenomenal if, if you guys haven't read it. But the movie, does the movie do it right? Uh, you know, Hollywood's in there a little bit. <laughs> mm. Okay. I always I, I always tease Denver. I said, I'm going to write a book, but this time I'm going to tell the truth. Mm. Talk about some of those payphone pop stories like that, huh? Yeah, I can do that. And my wife could tell some, too. She used to cook him steaks at my house. And uh-huh. He said Deborah's the first white woman he ever met. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, wow. You know, they, Hollywood's Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So, uh, future plans for you, Don. How long? How much longer do you have this in you? Well, I get asked that a lot these days. I don't know why, <laughs> but um, you know, I won't work one day longer. The Lord Jesus Christ wants me to. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what I say. I enjoy what I do as long as I'm uh, productive and positive and help the organization. I'm going to be there. Uh, we do have staff in place. I've got Keith Ackerman. I've got uh, good development person jordan wright i've got uh alicia duran she's our cfo i mean we're in good shape so there is a plan 
There how, is. How can people uh, get involved? How can people be a part of the Union Gospel Mission? We have a website. It's a ugm-tc.org. You can get on that website. There's a, uh, I think, an application on there you can uh, fill out and send in. Uh, we have an orientation constantly during the month, about every other week. Uh, our uh, volunteer coordinator is Sarah Bramlett. Mm-hmm. And you can call her. Our number's on the website. Uh, you can come down. I welcome anyone to come down, take a tour, and see what God's doing at Union Gospel Mission. Just please try to schedule that if you can. Uh, we're kind of busy, and um, but we'd love for you to come down and see. You know, it's Christmas time. Busier at the holidays. To, we're trying to get ready to have a nice Christmas for our residents mm-hmm. and guests that we have on the streets. and. And we all have personal lives as well, and it's just a—it's one of my favorite time of the year. It's it—you put in a lot of hours, but it's worth it. Yes, sir. Yeah, don't want to miss anything. What's the biggest need right now at UGM? The biggest need we need. Well, we got that uh, fundraiser for the um, uh, community center on Lancaster. It's a thirteen million dollar project, and we've raised about half of the money so far. Mm-hmm. But we're going to start that in uh, March this year. We're already starting to put out the bids to the contractors. We have six contractors. Uh, general operating would be much welcomed. Just money in the general operating kitty. Uh, that's where I think it'd be best. Do you take the German franc or Belgium uh, currency? I'll take anything that has value. Okay. <laughs> you accepting, we'll find uh, a way. You accepting crypto yet, Don? Yeah. yeah, I'll take some crypto. Okay. Yeah. Well, if I knew where to get it, I'd, <laughs> yeah. I'd give it to you. You don't mind crypto? <laughs> well, I, don't I don't mind crypto. I'll take it. We'll have to get someone on to explain us how to exchange it four times, but we'll get it to you. <laughs> right, right. All right. Well, so, Don, yeah, we're just uh, thankful. Uh, we appreciate you who who you are what you do union gospel mission if anybody isn't aware you need to be aware because it's a phenomenal organization so thank you for being you man yeah thank you thank you guys we know you've helped this community tremendously yeah it's all about getting out the word and uh i just enjoy it and i want other people to experience what i have so we always end the show on um and you may have answered this with that hollywood non-familial this the best the best day of your life uh, that doesn't include kids and wives and stuff, but something that you look at as, boy, that was that was a really good day. Oh, I tell you what, uh, you ever heard of Convoy of Hope? There used to be events that we put on. We uh, mm-hmm. collaborated with the community Christ, Christian community at, at Union Gospel, planned these things. They cost like forty thousand dollars and. We did one off of Evans, uh, the park, Evans and Rodale, Rosedale down in there. And mm-hmm. uh, um, there was like 2,500 people came and, you know, we had services, food, dental, mm-hmm. medical. Uh, and I was in charge of all the handicap coming in and out. And just um, I, I, Ted Kitchen was there and I, I wheeled him in on my cart. One, you know, just out of blue, he showed up and. And, and took him in and we had but that that day was just I said my god that's the closest place to heaven on earth I've ever been it was phenomenal that's pretty great and it was, comes out of you helping you weren't you were well, giving it didn't have anything to do with me I mean we did yes we were an instrumental part in getting it planned and everything but there were a lot of people involved in yeah 
Oh, that's and beautiful. I, I just appreciate the people that came. Anything else we're missing before we go? Uh, just pray for us. Done. Keep that evil away from us. Don, thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. God bless y'all. Merry Christmas.